Today's Old Testament reading and focused passage is Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, Wait here for us until we come to you again, for Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, we've heard two scriptures today, and it's two tales of two mountains. The passage Karen read was the transfiguration of Jesus, which we focused on a little more last year, but needed to hear it again today. The transfiguration, of course, is when Jesus goes up to the mountain and his glory is revealed in his face, and his face shines bright like the sun, and two figures, two central figures of Judaism are there with Jesus on the mountain. We talked about the glory of this passage, what it reveals about Christ. It was like a dream. It was so surprising and gripping and life-changing in that moment. And today we heard that reading of the transfiguration, but we're going to explore another journey up the mountain from the Old Testament, one that has some similarities, as you'll notice, but it's clouded in a little more mystery. And it might even appear a little less important. And we'll discover that there is more than one kind of mountaintop experience. Mountaintop experience being those times in life where we feel closest to God. Usually something happens or something changes in the moment. And yet today, we'll talk a lot about a mountaintop experience that simply asks us to wait on the Lord. Moses is told to wait there as he goes up the mountain to wait for God. God says, come to the mountain, and you would think that by the time he climbs the mountain, he would experience God right away. But God says, go up the mountain and wait. The Lord tells Moses to wait. In fact, throughout this whole passage, multiple times, Moses must wait for the culmination of this mountain event. Could there be worse news for Moses at this point? Him and the Israelites have been wandering around a pretty long time, and then he's told to wait even longer? When he gets to that holy mountain and is told to ascend the mountain to meet God, and God says, once you get on the mountain, wait? Wait even more? How do we proceed on our journey if we are simply told to wait? 
If you were told that your Christian life a week from now or a year from now or 10 years from now would be about waiting, why would you even want to move forward? There are things to look forward to. Why is there more waiting? How do we proceed on a journey that simply leads to more waiting? Because we're not fans of waiting. I'm not a fan of waiting. And I think our society knows that none of us are fans of waiting. Have you gone to a movie lately? You don't have to sit in front of a blank screen if you get there 10 or 15 minutes earlier. They've already started running ads and fun facts about movies. You don't have to do much waiting to watch something. And then once the movie time starts, you have to continue waiting about 30 minutes before you see the movie because you need to see the other movies that you need to wait to see in the next few weeks or months. I don't even have to wait and be bored while I'm pumping my gas anymore. Half the gas pumps I go to now have a TV on the pump so I can hear a sports score or I can hear the weather I can hear some random news bit that I didn't ask for. So while I'm standing out in the frigid cold, I can enjoy the waiting a little bit more. Or maybe that's the problem, is that we know we don't want to wait, and therefore society, gas pumps, movie theaters have bent over backwards to make our waiting as easy as possible. A few months ago, we talked about the anticipation of Christmas during the season of Advent. And we gathered that the anticipation of Christmas is almost as sacred and holy as the celebration itself, that time of waiting and prayer and meditation and holy listening for the coming of Christ. Perhaps God had this same kind of holy anticipation and waiting in mind for the Israelites who were down the mountain and even for Moses who had ascended the mountain. We just completed a Sunday morning series and Wednesday evening series and study on Revelation. And the central meaning, or one of the central meanings of that book, is about the holy endurance and strength which God's people must call upon while they are waiting for the return of Christ and the ultimate defeat of evil. And so literally from cover to cover of the Bible, God's people are waiting. There is no point in the scripture where there is not some waiting or period of waiting that God's people are experiencing. In James 5, we read, Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. No matter where we are on this faith journey, this Christian journey, there will be waiting. Just like when Moses ascends this mountain expecting to see God right off, he is told to wait, and then to wait, and then to wait. But it's not pointless waiting. It is holy anticipation, holy anticipation It is formation. The waiting is being redeemed with Moses and with us. Of course, when Moses ascends the mountain and anticipates meeting with God, 
a cloud sets in over the mountain where God dwells. A cloud covers the mountain or covers God's dwelling. There's a mystery about encountering God on a mountain. We so often anticipate that our mountaintop experiences are going to give us a clear, almost face-to-face meeting with God, that we will understand everything and everything will become so clear. And yet when Moses begins this mountaintop experience, there are clouds and fog. God says, wait, and then there is a cloud. I remember one day a couple of years ago, both the girls were off of school. I don't know if their daycare had closed, but we had to figure out something to do that way, that, that day, a way to get out of the house. And so what we decided to do was they would put on their frozen princess dresses and we would ascend the mountain to have a princess photo shoot. <laughs> By the way, I'm doing that on the side if anyone's interested. I take pictures of princesses. But we started out on what was a warm, sunny day. We were anticipating them standing by an overlook and having the mountains all in the background. We were taking pictures of them in their princess dresses. It was good to get excited about. And then by about the time we got to Craggy Gardens, the, the clouds started setting in. And we couldn't see but about 10 feet in front of us, it seemed. The clouds were so dense and And so our plans to see all of the valley around us and to see all the other mountains were shot. I suppose we could have turned around at that point and said, well, we'll try another day. But there was something very sacred about the clouds and the mystery of what was behind the clouds that we could only see a few feet in front of us. So we went ahead and took those pictures. And there are pictures on my Instagram account and Facebook of the girls in their princess dresses standing in front of these thick clouds with the trees around them that you could barely see. And there's actually something pretty cool about it, something almost mysterious or sacred about our presence on the mountain that day. We expected one thing. We expected to see clearly everything around us. And yet there were clouds, dense clouds, dense fogs that added to the mystery of what we were doing there. It was exciting to know that something beautiful was just beyond those clouds, that when those clouds lifted, we would be able to see around us for miles and miles the beauty of God's creation. If you'll notice in your scripture, the clouds cover the mountain for how many days? Six days meaning that a time of fulfillment for Moses and for the people was just a day away. The clouds remained for six days, and just like the creation story, in one day all things would be made complete. And that sometimes means for us that when the clouds are most dense, they're about to be lifted. That when we experience the mystery of God in the clouds, and we are hoping for clarity, we can know that God is preparing to reveal something to us. Maybe the beauty of the clouds and the fog is knowing that God's work will come to fulfillment. Waiting. Holy waiting. Redeeming the waiting. Redeeming the clouds and the fog that block our view. There can be something hopeful in that. 
We sometimes talk about the work of the church being slow. Not First Baptist Church, but the church in general across the world. We say Christ come quickly and we see all the people who were hungry, all the people who were homeless, all of the broken relationships in our world. And we say, why can't the church work a little faster? Or why can't the Spirit work through us a little faster so that we can bring, show God's salvation to all people? Why can't it happen today? And I think on one hand, we know that God can move as fast as God would like to. But God has given us time, and God expects us to wait for his return with holy anticipation, knowing that there will be clouds many days where we can't see the end, and we will need to find beauty in the waiting We will need to find beauty in what God is doing and the glory of the Lord that is around us, even though we cannot always see but ten feet in front of us. And yet, here's the beauty of this passage. Though there is a cloud on the mountain, what does it appear as to the people on the ground? A consuming fire. And so what we might see as cloudiness or mystery or uncertainty, if we are with God and there are still clouds around us, we can still trust that the people who see our lives will see a consuming fire in our hearts. They will see God showing his glory through us. Even in the waiting, God is doing things through us which can be seen for miles. We may not always see it, but when we choose to walk like Jesus and to love like Jesus and to show healing and compassion and justice and love and mercy, it is like a burning fire to those looking on. We can acknowledge on one hand that the work of the church is not complete until Christ's return. In some ways, participating in church is participating in God's holy waiting, isn't it? Those of us in this room today worshiping God are a waiting people. And I don't mean waiting for lunch. I mean, we are in this room waiting for, but acknowledging that God's work will come to an end and that in Christ all things will find newness and completion. So we are a waiting people, and the church is called to redeem the waiting. We are called to make this time of anticipating Christ's return as a time to find joy even in the mystery. To find fulfillment even when clouds surround us. God is doing good things in this place and through each of us. Even with cloud cover. Even though we have not yet received those tablets as Moses was preparing to do. Even though we are waiting for the culminating event. There is still holiness in what we do. That's important for the church to hear, I think, today. Once again, we talk about this a lot as we hear reports of churches closing their doors and what the next decade's going to look like for churches across the country, what the church looks like in North America. Do you know how much the church is growing in the Southern Hemisphere? That'll give you something to get excited about. 
God is moving in the world. Jesus is changing hearts. And the Spirit is with the church, even when the times get tough. In this waiting, we acknowledge that God can do great things in us. Just as God was doing great things through Moses as he waited to receive those commandments. We can be transformed in this period of waiting. We are all waiting on something, but in this time of waiting, our hearts can still be transformed. And so my question to you today, First Baptist Church, is how can your waiting signify hope? For the world around you. If we are waiting and on one hand acknowledging that Christ's work is still being made complete, how in that period of waiting can you testify that God is already doing something in your heart or in this place or in this community? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for holy waiting. And though we do not like waiting, we understand from the scripture that waiting is a part of your divine plan for us. Throughout the biblical narrative, we read of your people in a constant state of waiting. But Lord, the testimony of scripture also tells us that the waiting will come to an end, that there will be a culminating event And that we will see your salvation. And so, Lord, as we continue to live out our faith as individuals and as a church, help us on one hand to acknowledge that we are waiting, that one day you will return and reconcile all things unto yourself. But help us in our waiting to show what that day will look like through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At First Baptist Church, we believe life's most important decision is to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you wish to make that decision, I invite you to see me at the front as we sing this hymn of dedication.